if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And we continue now in number two, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. Great stuff from him, as always. He does have his work cut out for him on the Hill. Uh, and uh, I know it's difficult. I know it's really difficult to be in the minority and to watch all of these devastating things being done in the first five days of a new administration. But that's why we have him there, and that's why we trust him. Now, before I bring on my next guest, I kind of set the table for you a little bit in the first hour. Uh, give, giving you just a little taste of what Dr. Leland Stillman uh, is talking about when he says that we are reaching an unprecedented level of totalitarianism that is about to be forced upon the people of this country. It just seems like there are two Americas emerging, one of which wants to listen to a certain group of experts and another of which doesn't. And who knows how all of this will, will play out, but one is trying to enforce its will upon the other through the increasingly centralized power in Washington and I hope that people will realize what an incredibly bad plan that is and will walk back their desire to dictate to their fellow Americans who may be in radically different geographical locations and facing very different conditions than they do. Uh, I hope that they will walk back their desire to, to wield their authority to command those people how to live. To wield their authority and command people on how to live, and yet that is exactly what we are seeing. And if you push back, you run the risk of being canceled or, as Dr. Stillman said in an earlier clip, disappeared, disappeared entirely. Dr. Leland Stillman joins us now on AM 1420, the answer to follow up on the threat of totalitarianism through uh, essentially those that we have empowered to control our health. And that's where uh, that's where he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Doctor, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Before we talk in depth about you know what you are warning people about, and and we'll tie it to some of the um, elected officials' decisions, the policies that they have put in place in response to the pandemic, because that's where most of this stems from. Tell us more about who you are. You're a doctor, but you are more than just treating patients. You are out here advocating for medical liberty, it seems, and more. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So I got started uh, in my quest to become a physician as a young man. I was about 15 years old when I decided I wanted to go to medical school. And I studied environmental health in college because I was interested in the effects of the environment 
on human health. And I became convinced that it was really the environment that was driving, you know, pandemics of modern disease. And I should really call them epidemics because I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about obesity, diabetes, heart disease, dementia, all these things that people know and fear in modern society and that are overtaking our civilization, really Western civilization, even global civilization, uh, despite the fact that we spend more and more and more money every year on our healthcare. And I trained in internal medicine after attending medical school at the University of Virginia, which is basically my specialty is sick adults. And for the last four years, I've been a traveling doctor all over America from Minnesota to Florida. I've worked in eight different states and in like 12 different hospitals now. And so I have a very broad view of what's going on both in the country and in American medicine. And obviously that's given me a very, uh, I think, unique vantage point from which to view this whole thing. I've worked in two different hospitals in the last year, and they've both been rural hospitals, which is where the greatest demand for physicians is right now. And, you know, I, I came out to speak against what's going on right now when the health commissioner of Virginia said that he might make uh, vaccination mandatory. Uh, the video that you saw me, I recently recorded as, uh, as I've seen increasing levels of censorship come on, mm-hmm. um, on physicians like myself who are concerned about what's going on. And, and that's my, that's my background. That's why I'm, why I'm here and what I'm, what I care about. Doctor, we're talking to Dr. Leland Stillman. Um, you are an MD, but you, you note on your website that your mentors have been everyone from uh, neuro, uh, naturopaths, acupuncturists, chiropractors, homeopaths, uh, as well as MDs. You're not a DO, you are an MD, but it sounds like you have a very strong affinity for um, alternative medicine or naturalized medicine. That's absolutely true. And I, I think we have something to learn from everybody. And one of the things I've become convinced of in studying medical history is that this idea of building up one school over another is very flawed. They have something to offer and we just have to be mindful. And there's charlatans and frauds and bad ideas coming out of every school of medicine as people can readily see. So I take a very broad view. And I'm glad to hear that because I, I firmly support that. I have a friend uh, that I that I uh, actually uh, uh, talked to on this about this a great deal, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who is uh, a DO, and she has a clinic that is also based on the same types of things that you are talking about right now. And I think it is a very very great way to approach health rather than you know just the suppression of symptoms. Uh, so I respect that. Now let's talk about the policy aspect of this and the concern you have about. Uh, you know, the, the elites, the experts, you know, in that, in that video you recorded, I played a clip of it in which you talk about the experts and people have to be able to have a voice to speak up and question or challenge the quote unquote experts about the efficacy of whatever medical protocols that they are, uh, that they are putting in place, particularly in response to the pandemic. As you correctly pointed out, Dr. Stillman, if you speak up too loudly against them, you will be canceled. So my, my question for you is, um, are you concerned that they're coming for you? You are being, you're, this is why I had asked you to come on. I heard that video. I was very, very impressed. And I was very, very excited by, you know, the strong voice you spoke with against, uh, this censorship of people who have a dissenting opinion from the quote unquote medical experts who are telling us how to deal with a pandemic. Um, are you worried about yourself? Uh, you know, you know, losing your own credibility or, or being canceled the way you talk about others having to risk? Uh, certainly I'm worried. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have to defend our liberty, no matter the cost to us. I was just reading today about 
the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, they all knew that they were signing their own death warrant and signing the Declaration of Independence. I'm not looking at that. I'm just going on, you know, lifesightnews.com and giving them an interview or being on a radio show. And if one day we are at such a crossroads, then we really don't have, I mean, that's just the cost of, you know, what we believe in. That's a very good point, and it does take courage. It does take people willing to sacrifice something, including themselves and maybe even even their careers, in order to uh, bring about the change, especially in the way, when they see something as potentially devastating as totalitarianism. I think you used that word. I don't think it was haphazard. I think it was well-chosen, and I think it's accurate. Um, you talk about how, in, in fact, speak to me, Dr. Stillman, as a scientist, because scientists aren't afraid to have their work challenged. As a matter of fact, good scientists demand that their work be peer-reviewed so that it can stand up to those tests. Rather than what seems to be like right now in medical science, we don't want any tests, we don't want any peer reviews, we don't want any criticism. If we tell you this vaccine works, you just trust us and you do it. If we tell you that putting a mask over your face stops the transmission of this virus without any evidence whatsoever, you just do it because we are the experts. Um, so that is a very dangerous thing that we face when we can't even challenge the scientists to defend their own science anymore. That's exactly right. And People need to understand, as I said in that video, that the cornerstone of the public's faith in science comes from the fact that over time it's demonstrated its ability to improve our quality of life. And when you look at how medical progress happens, it's typically someone who's working very much outside the mainstream. And it's not uncommon for very revolutionary scientists to be fired for their work, sometimes for their research ethics, uh, and even to have their medical licenses suspended. And, you know, I don't understand... I. Some of my colleagues just don't have the appetite for history that I do, but when you look at the history of this, it becomes very clear that if you stifle dissent and if you stifle people from doing the kind of research that they want to do, from examining things that they want to examine, you, you will permanently retard the progress of science. You will make science into an orthodoxy, into a religion, and you will eventually erode the public trust in that orthodoxy just as the public trust begins to erode in any orthodoxy. And that's why we have, you know, so many different branches of Christianity. People lost faith in those centralized, you know, orthodox religions. And, you know, go back to science. The guy who did the first, it's called a mitral valve commissurotomy, but that's basically just an open-heart surgery. The guy who did the first successful such procedure got the name of Bill the Butcher because he killed five out of six of the people who signed up for the procedure. All of them knew that they were going to die if they didn't undergo the procedure, and they were about to take his medical license and revoke his surgical privileges when he finally successfully performed the procedure. Now, fast forward 100 or so years later, we're performing, performing open-heart surgery in every major hospital in America, saving thousands of lives. And here we have this medical pioneer who almost got labeled, you know, permanently as a butcher who is just killing people. So... You know, people need to be allowed to do controversial things in their medical practice so long as people are consenting. And they've got to have the right to publish what they're doing and talk about what they're doing. And we've also got to have the right to say about what they're doing. This is wrong. This is flawed. This is incorrect. I'm concerned about their, for example, uh, conflicts of interest. And when we look at the way that the medical experts are dealing with the whole pandemic, 
you know, I'm, I'm talking about a really a certain group of people who are in the employment of the state. Their behavior is highly concerning because you see them, uh, you know, really, and it's not so much, you know, the, the experts within the medical establishment, the civil authorities like state medical boards taking doctors' licenses. The FBI just arrested Dr. Simone Gold for being in the Capitol on February 6th. All of this looks like the government cracking down on dissenting physicians who are concerned about ties between the pharmaceutical industry, academia, and then the organs of, of public health like the NIH, the FDA, and other uh, government agencies that regulate things related to human health, like the USDA, which has an enormous impact on what Americans eat. So all of this has to be addressed. We have to be free to dissent. Otherwise, significant abuses of power are inevitable. They're not a question of if they're happening. It's a question of to what degree they're happening and how bad it's going to get before the public really wakes up and realizes just how bad they are. Well, Dr. Stillman, first of all, thank you for that lesson about quote-unquote Bill the Butcher. That is a fantastic story. I did not know about that, the first person to ever uh, to try and to, to perform open-heart surgery. That's an amazing story. And you're right. It took his courage to do that to, to lead to where we are now, where thousands and thousands every year are saved through that procedure. Um, but right. let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about dissent. You point out that in Western civilization, dissent has always been tolerated. It's been welcomed. And again, if you are a firm believer in what you are proposing or advancing or whatever your theory is, you you are willing to cha- to take those challenges because uh, that's what science is. Why? In this day and age, why now? In, a, in, in an age in which information is shared more easily and more rapidly than ever before because we are in the digital and the Internet age, why is dissent now suddenly you know, being cracked down upon to a level that you said in your, your video that you recorded for LifeSite News uh, is something that neither Orwell nor Huxley would, would even be able to imagine possible? Well, I think the obvious suggestion is that vested interests in dissident narratives a significant threat to their power and prestige. Um, you know, for example, I, I'm 32 years old. I had the chicken pox. And when you tell me that you want to create a vaccine for chicken pox, I can readily point to all of the young people in my age group who got chicken pox and had no adverse effects from the chicken pox. Well, then you tell me you want to make a vaccine to the chicken pox and it's going to cost, let's just say it's, you know, $10 per vaccine, which is, I think, low. Right. Uh, and then let's say you're going to give it to, I don't know how many kids there are in the United States, right? But let's say it's $80 million. Well, that's an $800 million payday for every chicken pox vaccine you give out, right? And if it's a three-shot series, you triple that. So there's a lot of money to be made from medical treatments and procedures. And when you can limit dissent to, um, to the safety or over the efficacy and the value of these procedures, right? And when you can enforce them by saying you can't go to school if you've been vaccinated. I mean, vaccination rates, for the most part, are sustained because we're forced to be vaccinated in order to be in public school. And many parents, you know, just look at the science, they look at the data. And I mean, I, I now have many patients in my practice whose parents are bringing them to me because they're concerned about the health um, risks and benefits of vaccination. Right. And they're very clear with me that they're not interested in having further vaccines because they saw adverse reactions in their children. 
And they're, they're doing this right now. If I may, I apologize for the intrusion here, Dr. Stillman, but um, we have to take a break here. Um, but this is happening right now with the coronavirus vaccine uh, in uh, in Los Angeles County, California, I believe. They have indeed declared, uh, at least or maybe it's just Los Angeles City Schools, but they have declared that students will be welcomed back to in-person school only with a vaccine for coronavirus. I want to follow up with you on that, but I have to take this time out. Can you stick with me for one more very short segment? Yeah, I can. Dr. Stillman, I appreciate that. We'll continue with Dr. Leland Stillman on that front right after this. Okay, it's 1026, so I have a little less than four minutes left with Dr. Leland Stillman on AM 1420, The Answer. And Dr. Stillman is talking to us about uh, the extraordinary importance of allowing dissenting voices to be heard, particularly when it comes to uh, medical experts telling you that their way is the only way. Doctor, we were just talking about forced vaccinations to go to school, and I just mentioned to you that I saw the news in the news last week, maybe two weeks ago, that I believe it was the superintendent of Los Angeles City Schools said kids aren't coming back in person until they have a coronavirus vaccine. Um, I won't ask you about the legal part of that because you're not a lawyer. But from a medical standpoint, what is your what is your response to that uh, that 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 statement by the uh, superintendent there? It's very important to keep in mind that any medical procedure or treatment has a risk benefit profile, and you know people it's are very fond of saying that vaccines are safe and effective. Well, my car is safe and effective. My AR-15 sporting rifle is safe and effective. You know, my P365 and 9mm pistol is safe and effective. These things are safe and effective so long as we use them in an appropriate way. But, you know, you, all you need to do is go look up the vaccine adverse events reporting system to know that there are adverse events to vaccines. And so there's a risk. Well, who assumes that risk? The patient assumes the risk. The doctor does not assume the risk. The pharmaceutical company does not assume the risk. The American taxpayer assumes the risk. And the problem that I have with this is that if we were to have a car company suddenly absolved of any liability for manufacturing its cars, and they were to then come out with a faulty braking system, well, why would they have any incentive to have quality control on their braking system to prevent that from happening? The same thing could be said of firearms, stoves, furnaces, I mean, anything that we rely on in our lives, you have to have some liability associated. I mean, the system that they're advocating for is insane, where corporations are allowed to potentially put forth unsafe um, uh, therapies uh, without having any kind of liability. I mean, to think that this is going to work out well, to me, is just preposterous. It's going to lead to abuses of the system. And the advocates of that system, the people most uh, ardently advocating for vaccination need to wake up to the fact that this is going to undermine public confidence in the very thing that they are so passionate about. And it amazes me that they're just blinded, that they think that they can create some kind of consensus and comfort and interest and belief in vaccination when they're viciously attacking uh, dissenting voices. It's just, it, it's it's not going to work the way that they think it's they think it's going to work or want it to work based on historical precedent 
Doctor, I've only got about a minute left, but I want to follow up on that with the lockdown thing. You compared in the video in your interview with LifeSite News uh, lockdowns to uh, to prisons, or essentially you pointed out lockdown is not a medical term. It's never been. It's been a penal term, something that is used uh, right. to put uh, prisoners on if they misbehave. Um, and yet we have all been facing lockdown. Many are still on strict lockdowns uh, around this country now because that's what the experts decided had to happen as a result of this um, of this pandemic. Can you speak yeah. to the, the, the medical efficacy of that? Is there any evidence whatsoever that keeping people locked in their homes or only allowed to come out to, for quote-unquote essential reasons, um, you know, would have any impact on stopping this virus? Not that I'm aware of, and I've looked. Uh, the other thing I want people to understand is that viral pandemics seem to come out of the blue uh, I mean, term influenza actually comes from the idea that it was influenced by the weather. And influenza pandemics tended to happen every 11 years. And by the way, just about every single viral pandemic in the history of the world has lasted between 12 and 24 months. So my prediction is this thing is going away no matter what the experts tell you, no matter what the PCR testing says, no matter what they say about hospitalization. I mean, this is obviously a real thing. I'm not gainsaying, you know, the horrific experiences that my dear colleagues have suffered through in the ICU, in hospitals, the cases that I've seen. But the reality is that viral pandemics are a part of life. The idea that you should limit people's liberty and destroy the economy in a way that has never been done before in the history of the world is is an assertion, not backed, I think, by sound or robust science. Dr. Leland Stillman, uh, phenomenal uh, information, and I really hope that the alarm has been sounded, and, it, and it's going to have to continue to be, about what we are facing here. If you speak out against any of the things that the doctor has been pointing out here, you, like he, run the risk of cancellation or being disappeared, even if you're, no matter what, whether you're in the medical industry or not, you run a very grave risk now, and that is what we really need to be aware of and uh, try to figure out how to fight against. Dr. Leland Stillman, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on this morning, and I hope we can talk again. Thank you for having me, and if people want to keep up to date with me, they should sign up for my newsletter at stillmanmd.com. Thank you for that. I'm actually staring at that website right now, so I'm glad you got it in there. Thank you, Dr. Stillman. Stillmanmd.com to learn more uh, about Dr. Stillman and what he is uh, advocating. All right, it's 1032. We'll get a quick check of news here and come right back to your calls on AM 1420 The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer okay 1037 we continue am 1420 the answer thanks for being with us thanks to uh dr leland stillman for a couple of very great segments this guy's 32 he's a kid comparatively to many of us and he is uh in the right demographic do you understand how important it is that young doctors like dr stillman in that millennial group and hopefully some rising up behind them in the gen z group that they get it and they understand their history and they understand the importance of our bill of rights and the constitution as a whole and that they understand that doctors and scientists should be willing to open their minds 
to the possibility and prospect that what they're prescribing is wrong. And that to silence dissenters who point out that they're wrong is dangerous for all of us. It's so important to have somebody his age and in his generation, in what is called that millennial generation, um, gets it and is sounding the alarm like this. And I hope you will uh, continue to, to share it as well. Uh, I want to pivot for a second here before I go back to the phones to a portion of the story with respect to COVID-19 and what we are all dealing with. We, you know, we talked at the end of the interview about lockdowns and, of course, masking and all of the other things. Last week, I told you that the World Health Organization, about an hour after Joe Biden was inaugurated, released a statement saying testing centers for the coronavirus that are using PCR tests with high CT values, that's the cycle uh, uh, values, high cycle threshold values, um, should stop using them because we are getting false positives. Many, 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 many false positives. And that if the PCR testings tests rather are resulting in false positives, that information is now going to be used to mitigate the large positivity, positivity numbers. And the number of case counts is going to drop precipitously. The optics of a decreasing COVID case count would be obvious for the Biden administration. It would make it look like he did what he said he would do. He's going to crush the virus. The number of deaths attributed to COVID will also go down if the number of false positives are identified as false positives. So I think it's important to understand a little bit about what the false positives mean. I think it's important to understand what the cycle threshold means the cycle threshold, the CT count. A CT count of over 35, according to medical experts, is far, far, far too sensitive to determine that there is an active living virus present in somebody who is tested. It's far too high. Now, I can't explain that in medical terms as well as this video that I will give you the audio portion of can. But you need to understand the game that has been played upon us for political reasons. We have been told that the COVID-19 virus is far more transmissible and infectious than it really is. And we have been told that it is far more deadly than it really is. And in order for them to prove that it is those things, politically, for political purposes, they had to use high cycle thresholds. Once those thresholds are lowered, so will the number of cases, and so will the number of deaths. And you will then find out for real how badly we have been played for suckers, allowing businesses to be destroyed, children's school years to be ruined, their educations suffering, and everything else that we have watched happen over the last 10, 12 months. All because of intentionally misused testing kits. Listen, please. Most commonly used tests for COVID-19 worldwide. Positive tests from PCR have created a statistic of rising cases globally that serves as the premise for continued lockdowns and other measures. The PCR-derived statistic has even inspired the pharmaceutical industry to produce a vaccine in record time for worldwide distribution. So it's probably worth understanding the basics of PCR technology. Dr. Kerry Mullis received... 
do not get freaked out by this next minute and a half. It's gonna, there's gonna be terms that you don't understand and I don't understand. Don't let this think, oh, I don't get this, so I'm turning it off. No, 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 no. Please bear with this next couple of, you know, minute and a half or so of scientific jargon that you won't get. It, it gets much more easy to understand at the end of this short segment. Please listen. The Nobel Prize for inventing the polymerase chain reaction technique in 1993, which became a central technique in biochemistry and molecular biology. Mullis's technique works by replicating a section of DNA many times to create a polymer, which is a large molecule made up of repeated subunits of the same small molecule. These fractal megamolecules make it easier to find and study a DNA sample. Mollus didn't describe his invention as a test for a disease, only as a technique to study biological material. This is where it gets interesting. Each replication of the original molecular sample is called a cycle. The more cycles used, the less accurate the test is. According to Anthony Fauci, the NIH, the CDC, and the New York Times, PCR tests for COVID have an accuracy rating of 0% when more than 35 cycles are used. I want you to hear that again, or let me just repeat it. According to the Grand Poobah of Epidemiology, Dr. Fauci, and the National Institute of Health, and the CDC, the level of accuracy of a PCR COVID-19 test is zero. Zero. If they use a test with 35 cycles or more. Now, the question is, is what kinds of tests are they using? If you get a cycle threshold of 35 or more, that the chances of it being replication competent are minuscule. Mm. So that if somebody, and you know, we do, we have patients, and it's very frustrating for the patients as well as for the physicians. Somebody comes in and they repeat their PCR, and it's like 37 cycle threshold. But you never, you almost never can culture virus from a 37 threshold cycle. So I think if somebody does come in with 37, 38, even 36, you got to say, you know, it's just, it's just dead nucleotides, period. Mm. Dead nucleotides, period. In other words, you're testing positive for coronavirus, for COVID-19. Because they found dead nucleotides, which are not able to A, make you sick, nor B, transmit or infect somebody else. But they're going to mark you as COVID positive. And thousands of other people just like you, and then say, we've got a pandemic on our hands, and we have to lock everything down, and we have to play the political games. Keep listening. So presumably, PCR tests are operating well below 35 cycles. A web search for FDA-approved PCR tests will avail to you the most widely used and widely recommended PCR test kits currently. A few sites have a convenient list of the various PCR kit manufacturers, and most of those manufacturers have links to their manual. Here are the first five manuals that I found. The Nomagen PCR test uses 39 cycles. The GK test uses 40 cycles. The InBIOS test uses 45 cycles, as does the Luminex Aries test. The Quest PCR test uses 50 cycles. All these test protocols are literally off the chart. The PCR tests used all over the world today are operating in the 0% accuracy range. 
the PCR test that we are told is the key to stopping this virus, test, 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 have an accuracy of 0% if they use over 36, 35 cycles. And you just heard it. The top five are using 38, 39, 40, 45, 50 cycles. So all those tests, as they jam that swab halfway to your brain up your nose, the only thing that it's gathering is dead material, dead nucleotides. You cannot trust the veracity of that. That's why false positives are off the charts, and that's why uh, uh, most of us who consider this to be a plandemic or a scamdemic, that doesn't mean COVID-19 doesn't exist, obviously, but at the numbers that we have been told that it exists, it's, it's a myth. It's a myth. And don't take my word for it. Take Fauci's. Take the NIH. Take CDC's. Carrie Mullis died in August of 2019 at the age of 74, but I believe he can still shed some light on the situation. PCR is separate from that. It's just a process that's used to make a whole lot of something out of something. That's what also, it is. Um, it's, it's not, it doesn't tell you that you're sick, and it doesn't tell you that the thing you ended up with really was going to hurt you or anything like that. What is it, what, what is it about humanity? This is the man, just FYI, if you missed the beginning of the video, or audio for your purposes. Kerry Mullis won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for inventing the PCR technique. This is the guy who invented the PCR test. And he's the one telling you, if you use any cycles over 35, you are just turning something into something, into a whole lot more of something. In other words, it's going to register as something that it isn't. This is the man who developed it telling you it's crap. It's not intended to determine whether or not a patient is infected with something. wants to go to all the details and stuff and listen. You know, these guys like Fauci get up there and start talking. You know, he doesn't know anything really about anything. And I'd say that to his face. Nothing. The man thinks you can take a blood sample and stick it in an electron microscope. And if it's got a virus in there, you'll know it. He doesn't understand electron microscopy, and he doesn't understand medicine. He, doesn't, he should not be in a position like he's in. Most of those guys up there on the top are just total administrative people, and they don't know anything about what's going on at the bottom. So I'll cut it there because there's more to it, but I think you get the point. Um, open up our country. Mike DeWine, open up our state fully and without delay. Schools, fully in person. Restaurants, bars, fully open, no restrictions. People can choose to wear masks if they wish or not. Curfews lifted. These numbers have been manufactured. And if you don't want to listen to me, listen to the guy that invented the testing kit, the PCR technique, who is telling you they're getting false positives by the millions. You need to know that. I hear music playing. I was about to go to my calls, but I'll tell you what. Let's take the break now. It'll give us more time in the last segment than we normally have for those calls. So if you're on hold, stay there. You're next. AM 1420, The Answer. AM 
1054 final segment. Let's get those calls in. Steve in uh, Collinwood on AM 1420. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Hey, they're, they're coming for you in, uh, in uh, the news uh, business. You know, Hearst Corporation? So yeah. they've instituted a pro- yeah they've instituted a program. They're probably coming to you too, where uh, it's voluntary on the uh, employees' part, but it's it's a diversity uh, training program where you learn about your biases, including your inherent biases that you don't uh, know that you actually have. And after you complete the program, you can become what's called an agent of change, and uh, that's that's Hertz's program. It's called Agents of Change. And what that is, is is after you've completed the program, then if you see somebody else in the workforce that's expressing a conservative view or something or an an insurrectionist view or may hold those tendencies, you report them to management and management deals with them. So I just wanted to let you know what's coming your way. Yeah, and it's coming all of our way, and thank you for the call. There's a, there's a lot of programs like that, and there's a lot of, hey, rat out your coworkers or rat out your neighbors or whatever, uh, uh, you know, types of things out there. And uh, you're right, and this is exactly why we have to push back. And I mean this from the very, very smallest ground game grassroots level uh, at the local level. We really do. We have to make sure that we are finding these, these things out in our corporations, our businesses, our um, uh, employers. And we need to establish a plan of action. You need to talk to other people who are like-minded, who believe in free thought and free speech, and who do not want to be told exactly how to live and what to think by Big Brother. Yes, it is Orwellian, and uh, and you're right. It's coming, not just that program, the change program, but others as well. Um, TJ, Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. You're absolutely right. You know, they clobbered Trump with this coronavirus. Now, isn't it kind of funny, right after the election, they come out with these findings? And what they're doing, they're teeing the ball up for Joe Biden, and then the media is going to run with this. He single-handedly saved humanity from corona. You know, we see it coming. This is what they do. And, you know, that one lady that called, she was absolutely right, Bob. A bunch of baby butchers broke into a mass for uh, a life at St. Patrick Cathedral in New York to disrupt the mass. And this is just a shot across the bow from the left to destroy religious freedom. I mean, these people are nuts. I mean, they're unbelievable. And I want to tell them another thing with their petroleum attack. Uh, Electric cars. uh, uh, Solar cells. Mm -hmm. Computers. Cell phones are all petroleum byproducts. Sure they are. You kill petroleum, you kill the entire economy of this country. And this is coming. And one quick thing about the cancel culture you know bob they can't cancel my job because i'm retired they can't cancel me socially because i did that to myself with ptsd a long time ago the only thing left to them for me is to cancel me physically and if they attempt to do that i guarantee you i'll cancel a few of them on my way out i'm sick of this stuff and their cancel culture and their threats and everything this has got to stop TJ, I appreciate it, my friend, and uh, thank you. You're you're right. It does have to stop. I hope, hopefully there will be no such thing as physical canceling going on from anybody, but I do understand your concern and your worries. Thank you, sir. Uh, John, Olmstead Township. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Yes, sir. I don't sir. know if you're a time caller, but uh, Dr. Fox is nothing but irritating to me all the time. I mean, I call him Dr. Falsehood because everything is... It's changed his mind so many times, and it's just uh, 
hard thing to deal with all the time. I want to thank you for your show. I've listened to you since you've been on Trivisano, so good show. Thank you. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate you for listening, and uh, I appreciate you being a first-time caller. Uh, I'm glad you made it through that call because I heard a lot of interruptions and static there. It sounded like a bad cell connection, so I'm glad we, he was able to make that last point. Uh, you know, because he's right about Fauci. Fauci is a fraud. Fauci has been a walking contradiction from the first time we all learned his name, and certainly by the time we learned how to pronounce it. Some people still pronounce it wrong. But he has been a walking contradiction, and there was an article by Miranda Devine uh, in uh, the New York Post today that I think everybody should read on online if you get a chance to at nypost.com. Dr. Fauci needs to be held responsible for COVID-19 mistakes. He, and it lists all of the things that he has said and, and advocated for from his very high, powerful position at the top of uh, the president's uh, coronavirus task force and how wrong he was every step of the way. Anybody else who's as wrong as this guy has been would have been fired a long time ago. And instead, what does he get? He gets rewarded with a position in the same spot with the Biden administration. It's unbelievable. Kirsten now joins us tomorrow on AM 1420 The Answer. Make sure you're here for that and stay here for Gallagher, who's next. AM 1420 The Answer. Bye-bye.